Welcome to the Principles of Performance podcast, where we discuss how to optimize your health, fitness, and performance. Drawing on decades of experience of working as coaches, consultants, and trainers to top performers, athletes, and teens from professional sports to top universities to the U.S. military, Eric Degatti and Mike Perry discuss topics and strategies of how to perform at your highest level and be your very best. Join us and our friends and colleagues who are leaders in the fitness and performance industry as we investigate and challenge the most popular training, nutrition, lifestyle, and recovery protocols. with episode number 59 of the Principles of Performance podcast. I'm your host, Eric Degatti, along with my friend and co-host, Mike Perry. Mike, welcome to another incredible show we got lined up today. Another beautiful day here. And uh, boy, do we have a guest. This guy, uh, he's done it all. He's, uh, you know, remember that old thing, Where's Waldo? We had to try to find where people are. I feel like that's what Brian does. I feel like we're always just trying to figure out, you know, where he is and what he's doing and, and you know, what movie set he's on and, you know, uh, how many, how many celebrities is he hanging out with this day? And, uh, no, honestly, uh, look, Brian's done a lot. He's one of the best out there. And, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of steal his bio, but he's got some cool stuff and we are excited to have, uh, Brian on today. Yeah. Thank he's, he, so much. he, he's kind of a, I, I, I wasn't going to go Waldo. I was going to think like world's most interesting man. You know what I mean? Like that. He's no. that guy. That, there you um, go. He's, uh, he's had a very unique and successful career in the fitness and performance industry. So after he graduates, uh, graduates from UCLA, where he studied sports medicine, he went on to become an assistant athletic trainer with the Jacksonville Jaguars, where is a common connection uh, that we also have that we also both worked with coach uh, Tom Coughlin, right? Yeah, man. Um, and then he became the head trainer and strength coach for the Los Angeles Avengers in the Arena Football League. Um, and then he switched paths. He went to the fitness world and he started Brick Fitness in Redondo Beach, California. And he began to build this celebrity clientele, as Mike alluded to, that's had big names from Mark Wahlberg, Amy Adams, Anthony Mackey, Nyla Kunis, Will Farrell, you name it. Um, and then in 2017, he started Elementally Strong, when he shares his wisdom and passion for functional fitness as a consultant for organizations, including TRX, FMS, Perform Better, Everlast, and, and Under Armour. And, and probably, as you'll notice in the next 45 minutes to an hour, he's also one of those guys, he just walks in a room and you feel better. He just lights up a room, and that's why we're excited to have him with, have him with us. Brian, welcome. Oh, God. Eric, Mike, guys, it's an honor. Thank you so much for seeing me and having me aboard, you know, uh, uh, like I said, just honored and so happy to be here with you guys today. All right. So we got Brian Wynn. So, so he's all yours, Perry. You take the first shot. All right. So look, everybody wants to hear, hear uh, you know, the cool stories about the movie stars. And we're going to get to that because I'm going to drill you on Will Ferrell. That's all I'm going to really do. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just messing with you. But I, right, man, I, I got some good about, ones. I'm sure you do. Let's talk about your history in the sports world. Um, you know, working as an athletic trainer and how that experience helped you to get where you are today. Without it, I wouldn't be here. Um, you know, to know me is to know that I'm one of those guys, I'm Doug, you know, on, uh, in the movie up, you know, squirrel, like the, 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 the just what, what's, what's the shiny thing. Hello. So back, back at UCLA, I wanted, I had aspirations of being a volleyball player and, you know, being in that athletic world for UCLA, I mean, man, to, to wear the uniforms and the blue and gold and like, wow, I just want to want to be on campus. We, we had that sports illustrated layout where it's like the most athletic, you know, school. And it was, you know, UCLA athletics, you know, that was, I wanted to be a part of it. Right. So trying out for the volleyball team, it was, yeah, no go, but, uh, seeing the guy that was making the Gatorade and his UCLA sports medicine shirt, I'm like, Oh, you know, I could marry not only my desire, but my parents desire for me to go to medicine as well. Right. So doing the whole sports medicine side of, of, of the world was really being about, Hey man, how do I get to still travel on the UCLA squads and still wear the gear? And, uh, and so being part of that, that's, it was the journey, right? And I think in that journey, you just find people you end up loving. I am all of us, no matter where you go back to. I think if there's someone that's willing to take you under their wing and show you something cool, let me let me teach you how to tape an ankle. Let me teach you how to reduce the swelling. 
of this shoulder here. And uh, let me help you make this person feel better. And then I'm going to give you the power to make this person feel better. For me as a coach, for me as a whatever we are in the intrinsic for wanting to help others, it was absolutely honored and uh, being taken into the training room at UCLA. And then having, you know, my mentors, Jeff Shatt, um, you know, Dale uh, Rudd, uh, Dave Polanski, Krista Polanski, you know, naming their names because they were such big pieces of my growing up. They believed in me. They're like, hey, kid, you want to learn how to tape an ankle? Come on, come here. You know, they, you sit there and you're like, they, they, they're teaching you. The, but that quality of, of education and one-on-one -on -one care, that's what did it for me. And that's what, that's what sparked it all. So just wanting to be around that and wanting to know that I can make a difference here and still wear the blue and gold was everything. So being part of a team, still knowing that I can contribute to the greater good. And then moreover, just developing really amazing relationships with people who, man, I'm like, oh, you've, been, you've worked where, you've been where, and you just start to really, I guess, get the vibe, right? Get the itch, get the, wow, I want to spend more time with you. All right, so let's keep going on the athletic training stuff, and, and we're going to get a little bit serious for a minute here because, yeah. you know, we just had this past football season. We had a really scary incident involving DeMar Hamlin, all right? He's an NFL player who almost dies on the field in front of a national audience, and thankfully that story has a happy ending as DeMar is not only well and back to playing football, but it raised awareness of the significant impact of athletic training staffs and medical staffs that helped save his life. Now, unfortunately you were involved in a similar situation and it didn't turn out quite the same. Can you share a little bit of your story and how you felt watching things unfold that night with DeMar Hamill? Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for asking the question. I think, um, you know, I, I talk about Al Lucas uh, a lot. So on uh, April 10th, 2005, you, you know, when they, during the DeMar Hamlin incident, there was like, oh, you know, there has not been a player that's died in professional football. Well, you know, well, let me challenge that because there has been, you know, Al Lucas in, in April 10, 2005, it was just a routine kickoff. We scored the first touchdown and, um, you know, Al was making the tackle. And during that tackle, he kind of, after the tackle, he just flipped over onto his back and he just kind of looked like he was just snoring, right? I, I ran out to the field and as soon as I saw him snoring and kind of looking like he was sleeping, I called, you know, I, I did the signal, which is, hey, guys, you guys in the corner at the Staples Center, this is the one. He <laughs> doesn't matter. It's just if someone passes out, it's time to bring anything, everything out, right? So the stretcher comes out and, you know, my hands go on. But, you know, it, it took us, what, eight minutes to get him off the field, finally 12 minutes to get him, you know, outside into the ambulance before – but realizing, you know, it was in the hallway of the Staples Center where, you know, he, he really did. He, he stopped breathing and um, the realization of all that happening, you know, just bringing you back to my moment when I was actually there, you know, after the collar went on and my hands came off of him. It was just a, there was this kind of aura, this sense like, oh my God, this is, what if this happens, right? And there's so much in my head going on, but and there's still Al's life and in my head, and and all of that weight was happening. And you're right, and in, in in that experience, I I didn't experience that alone. I experienced that with you know fellow coaches, the fellow medical staff, the players on the field, uh, that players that were there. The um, when that Demar Hamlin accident happened, I didn't get, I didn't know about it. I just got these texts. Brian, you okay? Just checking in. I'm like, well, I never hear from Coach Dobbs. Why is Coach Dobson texting me? You know, and then finally I heard news and it made sense. I'm like, oh, they're checking in on the experience. And so then when I dove in and, you know, heard about what had happened to this player, of course it brings you back. I'm calling all the doctors like, oh man, just thinking about you because we all went through it. We all went through that fire. And when realizing out, you know, after, realizing Al wasn't going to be waking up and that our friend who, you know, this is our teammate. This is what Al's third year on the team, you know, his brother's on the team. We, you know, we, the, to have to come back to the locker room, you know, with that news, like the entire game was played. They didn't stop the game. 
You know, the, the, there's differences between what happened in our, our set. It, there, there's that they didn't stop the game. We, we got Al off. They continued the game. They didn't know what had happened to Al. You know, I think about how much more mature we are today. You know, thankfully they stopped that game. Thankfully, you know, but you know, what if it, I don't know, all the emotions swirl around, but ultimately it taught me a, a huge lesson. It brought me to this, you know, to the strength coach that I am today to talk about what I talk about today, which is life and relationships and, you know, what, what is your soul really mean when you're bought into this, into this profession? Like, I hope it's more than just your sets and reps. I hope you've been able to create some kind of connection. Thankfully, I had a connection to Al where even though we fought a lot, we did because I had a training room. I took care of the injured guys and all he wanted to do was tell the injured guys, you ain't injured. Get to this weight room. Let's go. And, you know, there was so much of a fight in that. But at the end of it all, he was right. You're only broken if you believe you're broken. You're not broken. You're, you're bent, you know, there's a way for you to get out. There's a way for you to fight. And he fought with everything. He put it all out there. The guy had a crooked leg, came from the NFL. They wouldn't let him back on. But you talk about heart and mentality and soul with no excuses. That's who Al was. And today you, you say that, you know, our story doesn't have a, a happy ending, but I, I want to tell you, I'm making it a happy ending because I'm continue to talk about Al Lucas, you know, it, in the year 2023. You know, 17 years afterwards, I'm still going to, you know, my God, his daughter's 20 years old now. And it's ridiculous. It's crazy how time flies. But that story and what that energy meant and what it did to my career, you know, how it made me hate myself as an athletic trainer. Like I didn't really care anymore about anybody's injuries, but then to change it and to realize, you know, I don't experience Al. I experience the thoughts of Al. And I was mad in the beginning. I was mad I couldn't save his life. I was mad. I was, I was blaming myself. And my thoughts swirled around that negativity. But, you know, as time goes, and I hope for all of us, no matter what we go through in life, I hope that we're able to see the side that we're supposed to. Like, nothing happens to us. It always happens for us, right? Like, I get to talk about a player that died on the field on my watch. And it doesn't make me less than. It actually makes me more powerful because I come to you with this story and this degree, knowing that all our clients are amazing clients. They're all there, but remember they're alive. And so remember that they're alive and they're not broken, right? Make, make sure you make them realize they're not broken, right? And then you make them believe that because that's who Al was always going to the, you ain't broken. You ain't broken. Motherfucker. You, you get up, get in that weight room. You know, Brian, give him the, give him, you know, have me write up the workout. He'd be getting all, that's who I was. And so being able to embody that energy and talk about him now with whatever happens, being able to talk about that story now that this happened to my like, yes, amen. Let's, let's talk more about it. But the presence of an athletic training squad, oh man, like there's nothing like having a family of people on the sideline looking out for you, right? It just makes you feel that much safer, that much and what are you there for? You're there to help those players, you know, be better, to prevent, to treat, right? To help rehabilitate, like that's a special space. So I hope we could, it's a whole nother talk, right? About the athletic training profession, but I hope they, 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 they find their way. But this day and age, I'm so happy for the athletic trainers and strength coaches that are bridging that gap. You know, Sue Falcone, Great Cook, you know, you guys, I think uh, Kyle Barrow is a huge, you know, player in this world, you know, when it comes to that, just bringing that to the digital world and how things are moving forward in that world. I think how, what a great, great way to adapt that. But yeah, athletic trainers, woohoo, love you all. And to anybody that's gone through the circle or any kind of life-threatening, whatever that may be, you know, God bless you all. You know, this is, remember everything happens for us, right? Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that because I know that was, that was tough. And, and, uh, look, when big things happen, um, there's always an opportunity to tell the story and, yeah. uh, and, uh, look, there's, there's always a happy ending. You just have to be able to look for it. Right. And, and Amen. when, when the, the heavy stuff happens initially, it sucks. It's hard. It's hard. And you, you want to be pissed off, but you know, down the road, you can finally find some clarity and, uh, you know, sometimes, 
you know, even though things don't end up the way they always want to, um, if you look hard enough, you can find some beauty in the, uh, the mess. So, but oh. anywho, <laughs> let's move on to something a little bit lighter. Okay. Because like I'm over here, I mean, I'm, I'm getting ready to, you know, it's raining outside. I'm going to, you know, put on I, some, I, I, no, we, 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 some we, slow we, music and just cry a little John Mayer. No, actually we, not we John may, Mayer, but we, anywho. We may, we may throw a deep pass here a little That's later it. On, that's right? it. We're going to, we're going to change it completely. All right. Let's talk about some of the uh, some of the the big time celebrities you've worked with there, Mister Fancy Pants, with Mock Mock Wahlberg. He's a Boston yeah. guy. Um, he's he's yeah. a Boston guy, but I know you worked with him being on uh, Entourage. So explain uh, how do you go from like UCLA ATC, you know, doing what you did, and then you're like, yeah, just chilling with Mark Wahlberg. That kind of seems like a you know, count, it kind of sounds like a fake story, right? It's like I was doing this and I was doing this, but kind of. How did how did that transition work, man? Well, I, I always say, um, you know, my career started, and I think I just did a great job of making Gatorade. You know, I think that's really where it started. Just I have a, I have a good I make a good Gatorade mix, right? Um, no, I, I ultimately the uh, when I look back at the career and and even that little chapter with the entourage, it is about relationships. I um I've always searched for uh relationships i've always searched for you know I, I, growing up only child uh i mean my brother wasn't born until i was 11 right and then uh uh even then that, that was a last ditch effort to try and save the marriage because they divorced like a year after i went and lived with on the east coast and then it was such this for me trying to be part of teams or sign up for the teams was really trying to get away more from everything that was happening at home right i think uh where does the backstory come about i think always trying to be this part of the team that's like i'm five foot nothing so i'm coming in hot and small all the time so for me i learned how to be like a funny guy you know i i would never be the strongest guy so i just got to be helpful you know I, 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 hey guys i'll come in i'll bring the juice boxes but can i get a, a spot on the team you know it's like I wanted to be helpful and, and a part of it. I think that's the, that's where it really, you know, athletic training made sense and doing the teams make sense. And when I was with the Avengers, it just so happened that the movie, I think the first one we did was the longest yard. I know the first one I ever did was the longest yard and it was being shot in LA. I got a call to be the head athletic trainer for this football movie um, that was happening in LA. I had no idea what it was. I show up at this time and I, and I meet Adam Sandler the uh, the second director who's like the the coordinator the football coordinator Mark Ellis who's the guy that first gave me my first break um, Amy McDaniel her uh, his assistant at the time and it was just this like who, I'm standing here it was like uh, uh, Scott Salisbury was the quarterback coach too and uh, I'm sitting here I'm like okay so you warm up Adam you do the thing I'm like hey Adam nice to meet you this is and then you know, uh, what do you do? I, I, I had no idea who I was meeting. You you just be professional. That's what my, they, my, they always, my head athletic trainer back in the day told me, you're not there to, you're, it's not a location. It's not a vacation. It's a location. Be professional. All right. Say, please say, thank you. Always sit there. You're, it's not about you. It's about what do they need? And it, 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 that mentality, I can still hear Jeff Shat in my head, just telling me all that all the time. And so, you know, I brought that professionalism there and just so happened, hey, I was, yeah, I knew how to do shoulder warmups for a quarterback. I knew how to, you know, speak to the higher ups about, oh, this is what I assessed. You know, I had been ahead of a trader. So I think just in the energy of where things were going, my energy was saying, I don't want to do athletic training anymore. My heart wasn't really into going to another season, thinking about Al Lucas and everything. So being outside on a movie set, was something I was, my energy, I, I threw all of it in there. I ended up doing the longest yard. I ended up doing basketball. I ended up doing semi-pro with Will Ferrell and, and Andre 3000. I ended up doing uh, uh, semi-pro uh, with The Rock. And um, so all these sports movies and then Invincible came around and Invincible was with Mark Wahlberg. And uh, so I was just doing my thing, covering the team, and that's when Mark came in and, you know, day one and he was shooting departed at the time and he looked jacked. He went out there and then he was trying to do some stretches, couldn't really reach his ankles, you know, in the quads, of course, ends up pulling his groin a little bit. 
I'm like, all right, let me work on you. We didn't do anything crazy, thankfully. We're just showing him the plays. He doesn't really need to be camera ready for that stuff for another two weeks. So I go and I'm going to go help him rehab his groin and get him prepped for the field a little bit more. Uh, so I go with him to the set of the departed and I meet the rest of the entourage. And that's where I start developing that relationship was when I was out there getting him prepped for the invincible role when he was doing stuff for the departed. And then, um, yeah, it just so happened that uh, we shot the movie. Uh, the guy came in with two huge trailers. He's like, why do I keep pulling these muscles? I'm like, dude, you travel with two huge semi truck trailers full of just selectorized like body piece. You have an adductor, abductor machine. You have like uh, uh, all these, you know, a calf uh, raised. Like, I was like, man, it's just, you're, you, we're, we're doing parts, but you're not playing the music. And I think I need to help you play the music. So he started to see how we were training the guys on the field and how the dynamic warmups were and kind of just, you know, opened him up into that world of what we were really just calling oh, functional training. But yeah, it was a side of like, hey, man, we got to get back to doing, being able to do this stuff. This is what we were doing now. This is, you got to work on your balance. We got to, yeah, look at this. And he just, he didn't want to be without it once the movie ended. So he offered me a job and I took it. And, uh, and we ended up spending over a decade traveling together. And then uh, another three years afterwards where I opened up my gym and then still traveled with him, you know, when on movies that he needed. All right. So I'm going to keep going a little bit because, you know, when you talk about Boston heroes, Mike gets all two stuff. You know, he has his Mount Rushmore and I think it's, it's, it's Mark Wahlberg and Tom Brady and, and David Ortiz. And so. Awesome. Man. Awesome. So, I mean, is that a bad, is that a bad Rushmore though? I mean, we got, I mean, think about Ray Bork and Kim Neely with the hockey. I mean, look, I mean, we, we, you know, it is what it is. We're not going to get over the, with the Boston and, 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 uh, you know, New York thing right now. It's, it's not even worth it to Gotti. So. Yeah. Right. Just remember Brady, Brady lost to my guy twice, but let's keep going. Um, so talk about Mark had this 4am club, which kind of became this like social media sensation. So tell us like, what was the genesis of like, why are you training so friggin' early in the morning? Ah, you know, to be honest with you, it was, it was, uh, I think the rhythm of it really started being on set anyway. Um, during, when you're on set, like let's say it's a day day call, you know, it's a gonna be a 12 hour day. So they go 6 a.m. to whatever. It would be 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. with the whatever, one hour lunch or 75 minute lunch, blah, blah, blah. There's all these union things, right? But ultimately the day would always start super early when you're away on set. Meaning if you really want a great workout, it could never happen. And if you want it to happen at your hotel, then you need to happen before you left per set, which could be anywhere from five to 50 miles away, depending on the day, right? Wherever set is. So we just got to the rhythm of, of working out early. When we finally got home, we're like, oh, we're able to sleep in again. But it was not that way. You know, I got there, I'd, I'd get there at 6 a.m. I'd try to get the one hour workout by 7.30, I'd be headed home. It would take me an hour and a half to get home because of the traffic. I would miss my daughter going to school. I was like, yo, I can't do this anymore. Not going to do it. So, you know, the only way we figured it out was we just got to get back into doing it super early again before all of the routine so that I can leave his house by 6 a.m. and get to my house by 6.45 and still have my running day with my family. So that the, the introduction of the 4 a.m. at home was just so that we could continue to have this lifestyle together outside of that between what was 3.45 to 6 a.m. when I left, man, it was a whole different life for me. Another, another L.A. life, I, you know, wake up, take my kid to school, you know, train a couple of people, get home by noon, take a nap from 12 to 1, wake up again, try to do my own little thing and get a little afternoon workout. And then again, hitting the bed by 8. But that routine lived. And it was fine for me, you know, but that it was all about the routines. And I think the biggest takeaway from the 4 a.m. club and all the things like that I would introduce is it just brought success into, you know, really understanding, like, what do we still need to be able to fit in, in into this lifestyle? Both Mark and I have an L.A. life and we're doing other stuff. The only way to fit all the stuff in that we want to take home still was still to just do it from 4 to 6 a.m. So. 
trying to keep up to the routine. So you brought up some good points because some people will take this really literally, right? They'll see, they'll read about this. or they'll see a Jocko Willink post when he's finishing his workout at, at 4.45 and they think, well, that's what I have to do. Not realizing, okay, well, you're not an ex-Navy SEAL. You're not a, you're not a Hollywood actor. Um, and, but they think that, that that time was the key to success, not necessarily what you talked about. It was just the, and, and the, the key thing that you said in there, I think is gold. And I give you kudos for this as a dad is that you had certain things that were non-negotiable and that was like, I'm not giving this up. So we're gonna have to figure out a way to do it. And that's one of the biggest things. If, if, if I start with a new client, I said the, the difference between the people who are successful and the ones who are not is they have non-negotiable habits. And whatever that means is it doesn't matter if it's rain, shine, if I get home late tonight, if I, whatever, if I have a bad day, no matter what, I'm getting this in. And I don't care whether it's, you know, your walk, your meditation, your hundred pushups a day, your, you know, enough grams of protein, whatever it is, those, those non-negotiable habits, I think that is the real gold in, in what to take away from this and not so much the, the, what the time says on the clock. Am I, am I right on that? Amen. Amen. There has to be an acknowledgement, a, a determination of who you are. You know, I think that is it, what I saw in Jacksonville working for Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin, um, just to bring him up, he was such a hard ass. You talk about that guy didn't, you know, he didn't even, he didn't call me by name the, the first, I don't know, two years he knew me because I was there going to camp, doing the thing, but you know, but I knew he knew my name. I think there was just something about this concept of, I know who I am. You know, I am here to be the leader of this squad. I will lead by example. That exuded out of Tom Coughlin, you know, like he needed to leave it at the expense of, you know, there are other things I saw too. I was like, you know, you know, wow, his family never sees him and other things like that. So, you know, when, when you're on the outside looking in and you see all that stuff, like, sure, I, I respect all the stuff and I'm, I, I love what I was able to take away. But then even in the world for Wahlberg and what he had to commit to all the time, I said to myself, man, the one thing I'm not going to do is lose out on time with my family because I could already leave so much. So we always had this huge respect for being home with our family. And so, yeah, I think if you can help your clients, yourself especially, with defining who are you? Are you someone that's able to touch your toes in your 80s? Then I hope you practice it. Are you someone that's able to, to lift your grandkids? Yeah, uh, at age 65? Well, I hope you can lift 50 pounds, you know, by the time you're age 55. Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the parameters, the trajectory for, hey, man, you want to be like, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of this experience? What, who are you? And for me, once I had my children and once I had the, I am, I, I had to be the, the coach, the parent that, that I didn't have. Right. And I think if we can all step into a little bit of those cracks in our life, there's so much of our identity there that sits into what we're already doing. Like, what we're what are what are we trying to fill in our lives that make us whole right although we all like as i say we're all whole but there's so much when we really think back and look it's like there's pieces of it that we want that will make us more whole for me connection connecting to more people and and, and creating more friends for me like that makes me feel more whole it makes me like i i have to be able to tap into that energy and I think the routines, whatever it is that you decide to do, whether it's, if it was waking up at 4 a.m., for Mark and I spending time together, having those laughs in the morning, seeing each other, you know, waking up and knowing that we're doing it, no one else is together, that made it more special too. And I think like if you can adopt these things, these energetic pieces of the routine and realize what you're doing for yourself, what you're doing for your family in the long run, that's when you can really honor and, and really I have awareness to like, hey, you know, if I really want to be a dad, then maybe I shouldn't have this alcohol every night. Maybe I shouldn't binge watch TV four hours a night every night. Maybe I should spend more time. With, if I'm only spending 15 minutes with my kids, 
you know, a week and I'm spending seven hours on Netflix a week, maybe I can do something about that if I want a quality relationship with my, my, my kid down the road. Like, what do you want? Who are you identifying yourself to be? And then work on nurturing that. Work on, how do you say, like uh, the, the non-negotiable garden. You know, what are you really going to raise and what, what weeds are you going to get rid of? Hey, everybody, a quick break in the action here. Hope you're enjoying the show and we appreciate you listening. We're working hard to bring you the highest quality content and best guests every single week. So if you could do us a big favor and go and like and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you get your podcasts on, it would be greatly appreciated. Be sure to listen at the end of the show also to find out where you can find out more information about our courses, as well as a special discount code for all our listeners. Thanks again, and let's get back to the show. Now, Mike, before you jump in, I want to kind of come come back with an uh, uh, attack on point, connect the dots here, Brian. So the, we also have to understand is what those having that foundation of those is what allows you to change and evolve. People mm. think it's that, okay, you don't, this is, that means you're just the same militant person all day, every day from, you know, from the beginning to end. And that's not the case. And the perfect example of that, to, to, to your point, is Coach Coughlin. Because when he came to the Giants, he had a pretty major makeover in terms of how he treated everybody in the organization. Mm -hmm. And that, they say, was one of the things that catapulted us because that was the first year I was there in 07. And mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's still to this day, when, when he, there's certain people walk in a room and they're just, they just have an aura and a power to him. He's one of them. And to this day, I credit him. I show everybody, every clock and every watch I have is set five minutes fast because mm -hmm. it's set it's set to what we used to call tc time because yeah. if we were working if i was working on somebody at the facility and i said okay what time you, i got a meeting at 10 we got to be done by 10 and i'd say is that 10 real time or is that 10 tc time because yeah. there was just this level of expectation that he said you know five minutes early is late and so because of that everybody then took that on and it and it wasn't necessarily uh, to get you in trouble. It was to get you to, to expect more of yourself and to expect more of the people next to you. Amen to that. It is something that I think the great coaches do, right? They leave you with this sense of you could take up your sword and shield too, and you can be responsible. You're very able. I believe in you, right? Like, I, you know, this isn't something really out of, this is just how things are. This is how we do things here. So, you know, I'm, I, I hear, you know, Coach Coughlin let people wear sunglasses on the field after Jacksonville, after Jacksonville, you know, I thought there was a whole change with that guy, but, uh, but yeah, man, the, uh, my heart goes out to him and what he, he taught me in that sense of, of, uh, of being able to, I, I guess it falls under, if I'm doing it right, if I can lead by example and I can show people a way it's that same, like Brene Brown puts it really well. It's like when you really have quality parenting or coaching that you're not really, people don't do things out of, you know, because you shame them, you know, it's because you guilt them, you know, it's like, Hey man, it's all good. You didn't really have to miss classes. You know, this is, but when you have that dedication, you feel guilty that you're not in it with that, whatever that energy is. And I think, you know, the side of like shaming people. You didn't get up. You didn't do this. You didn't do the way I said you. You just, That's just not the way to do it. You know, it's like, can I show and make someone aware of the possibility of what it's like to be like this? And then now you have the choice. You can be this TC time or this time. And now after you make, and you can say, oh, wow, I've made several of TC time choices. And every single time I do, things are running a little bit smoother. And now you have an awareness to that. Now making those constant choices, what is that? Integrity, right? And so Coach Coughlin gave us this sense of integrity because of an awareness to make this choice about time, right? But time and energy being our two most precious commodities, what better way to really start to understand how to sit there and listen, I'm not perfect. You know, I, I, I'm human. I have, you know, I, do we do we all watch Ted Lasso here? I, I hope so. If you, I want there's a big Ted Lasso plug for anybody out there. If you've enjoyed this talk, like man, there's so much of what we talk about here in this emotional world. But it is the coaching space is a big emotional space, and we think that hard is all it. It's not. 
you should have seen how coach Ed Hodgkiss and coach winter and coach Dobb responded to the team. When Al Lucas died on our team, you should have seen how the front office came together and how our director of operations, how we worked with just the whole medical staff to get the entire team over to Macon, Georgia, to have that uh, funeral with Al and his family, you know, the, you, what do you like? It was the, as I as you say, like you know, this is a. I like to say this in my talks, like so. If you've heard me talk before, it's uh, I really doubt we're human beings having like a spiritual experience. You know, I I more believe that we're spiritual beings having a very human experience. Again, just uh, I don't believe we're human beings having a spiritual experience. Rather, we're spiritual beings having a very human experience and. You know, the human experience is ups, it's downs, it's that roller coaster of life. And um, you, I could easily have taken the Tom Coughlin experience with the Mark Wahlberg experience. And we could talk about all the, the drops, the, the sharp turns, the times when it was not fun, the times when I was getting yelled at, the times that I was like, you know, that I forgot something or, you know, I mean, oh, I mean, so many of those stories where you drop the ball, you know. But you, how do you get better? You don't get better unless you drop the ball and you pick it up again and you decide to go again, right? That's what the coaches did. They, yes, they yelled at me like crazy. I remember you know, pulling one of the guys off the football field. There was a lightning storm. You know, Tony Brackens was on the back. He you know, couldn't in crutches. The, the, I'm emptying the cart from all the stuff so I can load Tony Brackens on the cart. Lightning's coming in, you know, Coach Coughlin's blaring the wheel. I finally got the cart and I'm pulling Tony Brackens out. And Coach Coughlin says to me, don't worry, Brian. It's not as if you don't have more than $10 million on that cart to get out of the fucking storm. And as I drove away, I realized, well, what about me, Coach? What am I worth? You know, it's like, it's like but, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, man, I, don't, I, I share the story because, I mean, it is, we are, uh, it's a fun ride and you if you let it you know if you allow yourself to fun it's for as a coach my experiences with the people from from the staff to the players everything has made me you know who i am it's all relationships right so so let's kind of uh, you know change a little bit of gears here and and sort of talk about physique training because i think a lot of people start working out with these aspirations of being really camera ready um but you know quite often they feel like, man, this is unattainable. And if I had, you know, if I had a ton of money or a private chef, or I had this, if I had that, they sort of, sort of roll off this list of the things that if they had these things, they feel like they'd, they'd be camera ready. And uh, what does the average person not understand about the reality of what a star actor or actress goes through to look the way that they do? I, uh, I, I think this is just, again, piggybacking off what I just said, seeing things on the championship level of what, there has to be this decision of like, I am this way. They are, so if I bought in for a role, you know, I am like one of the things we mark, we used to trace, like if you want to look like someone who's 220 pounds, you have to eat, sleep, and, and perform and act the way someone who's 220 pound jack would be, right? Uh, I think there is this side of like, you have to be in it. Like, I think there's, it's way easier to say like, yeah, but if I had someone waking up, waking me up at 4 a.m. to be alongside of me, that's as easy as a phone call and a friend, okay? We all have ways to construct it. I construct so many excuses. I construct ways to dodge responsibility. I purposely like, you know, cook. Okay, I hope my wife never watches this podcast, but purposely don't cook well so that, you know, she doesn't want me to cook, right? So it's just like, hey, you do the cooking since you don't like the way I cook, like, like, but you know, I'm a gourmet chef. Let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously, guys, the, the, um, uh, uh, the, can we just, I'm sorry. What was the original question? I want to, I want to make sure I stay on topic here. No, I just, I was saying, the, you the know, aesthetics, what is it? The aesthetics. Um, what yeah, are we missing aesthetics, out? Yes. Yeah. Guys, yeah. you got, okay. What are we missing out on? We all know what to do. I think that's crazy, right? Everybody kind of knows if you put the things together, here's the five things, right? 
let's that's it's the calorie thing is for sure if you're really trying to in the most people want to drop body fat all right if you haven't started reading the book outlive by peter attila yet uh it's this great book that talks about um medicine 1.0 medicine 2.0 medicine really the side of like where are we in medicine um and how preventative can we be in medicine right I, it's a fantastic book right now uh out there bestsellers one of the huberman guys and it's, it's it's all on longevity but one of the biggest contributors to longevity is it tells you in the book it's exercise we, we this is such a huge piece of the puzzle for any fitness coach out there if you if you're a fitness coach out there read out live it's going to make a difference in how you speak about what it is you do for people right but people in and of itself forget that they are are this is a vehicle right and in the long run what do you want it to be you want it to be strong if you want it to be strong you got to move 20 minutes a day you got to move those are like these are the rules 20 minutes a day you got to move you got to you got to do, like this, like this says, a lot more water than alcohol, right? The pieces that you don't know, yes, get help with. Get a, get a group together. Join uh, how many, uh, the, how many, the principles of program design. What a great, fantastic course to settle in and learn more about yourself and what it is that you do in lifestyle. You guys are are you guys are are on the forefront of bringing not just uh, program design with the with what's happening on in the in the weight room or in the gym, but what's happening at home. You know, I I that I love that takeaway from you guys all the time. So you know, it to be curious always about your vehicle and to like I if I knew I was only driving one car for the rest of my life. I would be curious to know how do I maintain this car to the best of my ability. It's not a lease. I don't get to turn the keys in. There's no auto body shop where I just get to pay this and then fix that. It's there is a long-term thing happening here. The gas that you put in matters. And as a coach, I hope that, and again, I told you my wife is a hospice nurse. So for me, it's very natural to bring in this idea, this concept that. Hey man, I'm really glad we're doing the, you're getting your summer body ready. That's what you wanted. But the biggest thing is I want you to really reflect on also, like, what else did you notice? Dude, I've been noticing people tell me, I notice I, I, I'm a better father. I notice I'm, I'm just, I, you know, I'm able, I now feel so much better that I can, I'm able to, you know, play football again with my son. Like I've been part of that evolution for people to know that that's where the magic is that's where leaving people with the best version of themselves again the ted lasso thing right i'm just there to help these people be the best versions of themselves and for me as a coach the best version of themselves exists not just physically but also in a spiritual sense and yes physical sense eating wise are they balanced are they that's what that's what I live for. I've been faced with that. I want you to have a good life. So, you know, there's that. Harry, I, I think you were hoping for like a 10 day carrot juice cleanse answer, weren't you? Or something like uh, that. You know what? You know, I some there, I was hoping for some sort of cleanse, but um, whatever. Uh, apparently that's not going to work. So <laughs> forget it. We'll, we'll have to we'll save the cleanse for another talk. The abs will have I, to I, wait I think, another summer, Perry. I, I, let, let, let's put it. Th let's put it in truth, right? I'll put that simply for every coach out there, everybody out there. There's always a new diet. There's always a new workout thing. They, everybody has Instagram. Everybody knows what's hot and what's whatever. You know, um, our our mentor Gray Cook says, you know, the methods are many, but the principles are few. And the principle here is, it's like, you do need to play, man. You need to take care of your body. If you if you if you feel broken and you don't know how to fix your body, then get the help of someone who does. If you're someone who knows how to help people feel better, all right, then advertise it because there's a lot of people who are in pain. And then when you get there and you work with them, remember, they're going to forget what you said. They're going to forget what you did. They'll never forget how you made them feel. Along my athletic training career, being an athletic trainer to make the team feel like I, like I made a difference, like my Gatorade made a difference in the wins and losses, 
but it made me, I felt responsible for what was going, what was the output of that team. I feel responsible for the output of my clients, how they are as humans in this experience. I want them to kick ass. And so if I know that reminding them about sleep or reminding them about, you know, and now there's so many tracks like, but let's face it, right? If you can help people feel better, you put anybody through a great workout and then you remind them, hey man, I'm so proud of you for taking the time for yourself today. Not many people do. I just want you to remind you that 95% of the people out there will not dedicate the hour that you just dedicated with me. So I want to say, I love you for that, man. And giving that people the honor and, and that, that's what creates the long-term results for people. People start to shake their minds away from this. Oh, I need to be here for eight months. They start to realize, I just love doing strength. I don't even, I, I, I drink beer. I work out. I, I, I mean, I, I don't even care about it. I just still love working out, right? Because I feel strong. It doesn't even matter anymore. You know how many of my clients are like that now? Because it's the very first things of the want and desire, this whole, yeah, that's the outside. That's smelling like, mm, what's, what's the outside? That's what, yeah. And it's like, that is that the unattainable? No, maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's just the thing to look at that's sexy. But once you're in it and doing it, then it's like cooking. You know how to cook. That's a freedom. That's a knowing how to move your body, feeling strong to to pick up. You know, uh, uh, help install. A, 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 I don't know whatever. But the, the human life, I think, for for the movers and the shakers out there, they'll always be moving and shaking, right? And for the people that are ready to shrivel up and just make this like a computer world and sit there and live in that world that's i mean i can't help everything no judgment but i'll be here for the people for the movers and shakers and i hope the fellow movers and shakers will whole still be there for the fellow movers and shakers when the other people realize they still need to move and shake well great recommendation on the peter atia book it should be mandatory reading for for anybody who wants to improve their human state and and live a robust life not just long but a robust life and Amen. um and and then the other quick point is I'll send an edited version of this for your wife that will clip out I'll clip out all the, stuff, <laughs> the, the truth about your cooking. All right, but I want to go back to the mindset stuff because there's there's a lot of stuff you're hitting on that that really strikes a chord, and I'm sure you know Perry, you're thinking the same thing here because you know we wrote a course on program design where we don't talk about reps and sets till like section six or seven. Like mm -hmm. we don't talk about picture and exercise. Like it's all about having conversations with your clients and, and you say there's something you talk about being the change and you talk about, you know, mindset and talk about how that sets the foundation for all of it, that the reps and sets almost don't matter if you don't have that there. Yeah. You, I mean, ultimately, if you don't develop relationships, right, quality relationships, if this is not a two way street, then it, it will really never last. Okay. You know, my, I, I, Bo Kaplan, um, I, I met him when I, when uh, a year into Brick Fitness, and then um, to this day, he's still my client. Even though Brick Fitness is now closed, he, you know, I still, still one of my clients from there, right? I think it is those kind of relationships that you, you know, it's for me. I'm so grateful for. I, um, but it's a two-way street. I don't just go there to tell him what to do. You know, like all my clients, you know, you you give a person a fish. You feed them for a day. You, you teach them to fish. You feed them for a lifetime. But I've created the intrigue for Bo. You know, he, so this guy, Bo Kaplan, my favorite client. I love Bo. You know, he is the CEO for Lakeshore Learning. He, um, so this company, they do all educational supplies, furniture is big in, in the educational world, right? And he's taken this company. He's, he's, I mean, it has grown, but it is, he has had to change along with it, Right. Um, the sports he played. He, before, when when I first got to know him, he's like, oh, I just want to be bigger. I just want to be bigger. And he was, you know, scrawny guy. Man, the very first time we started working out together, man, I, I was making him do legs because it's like he'd never done legs before. He just wanted to work on his upper body, right? Like, no, it's going to be the secret to, I was like, hey, man, you want your upper body. It's going to be the secret's going to be going through your legs and then start getting excited, right? But he said his body started changing. He started feeling stronger, feeling better. 
so much so that he built a gym out over at the, the headquarters for Lakeshore Learning, a gym for his entire, you know, all of his people that work there, you know, to bring people to know what they know, you know, that kind of sharing, that kind of like, I want you to also have this gift. That's like, for me, that's real leadership, right? Uh, real royalty isn't someone who distinguishes between me and the servant. It's someone who brings other people to royalty, right? A real master isn't someone who creates followers. A real master is someone who helps other people become masters themselves. And so he had me run and teach people mobility stuff at his at, at work and how to travel and such an amazing gift. Like this guy is like, continues to ask about what he does for me in the light also how he's been there to support me like i had through so much emotional drama trying to close my gym you know i didn't like it was so much weight about what it was what was my membership going to do what am i going to do with my my staff you know i felt so but there was a side of me that was just so done you know like i don't want to pay twenty thousand dollars a month in rent anymore i'm done you know it's just too much and thinking about you know all of a sudden just one more step and then for me the energy just wasn't there anymore but thankfully i had this beau who was counseling me and you know made me see that hey this is something i just didn't want to do anymore hey you didn't need this gym to talk you don't need this gym to change lives still don't forget that you came here to change lives you'll always be a life changer b you know, and you'll always be able to just keep following that. And I think that's one of the things that if coaches can realize and stop worrying so much about if we stay in the present moment, are you changing lives? Are you happy doing it? Are you excited? Are you pumped up waking every day that you, you get to change someone's life? Because if you don't have that anymore, I love when I hear Martin say it or whatever. Like, if you don't really get excited to like be an awesome part of someone else's day, like, I don't know if this is really for you. Right. But, um, yeah, I think um, that takeaway, that that little bit of um, of having that quality relationship um, with clients is such a uh, such a piece for me. You know that it really you the two way street. Knowing that my clients don't just know me as Coach Brian, they know me as Brian we get serious for our hour and we have our boundaries. We don't turn on ESPN. We do our work, but then it's the time outside the gym where we get to flourish, not just as, as friends, but we flourish as brothers, as brother, sister, or whatever it is. But no matter who you train, I hope you're creating relationships beyond just that of that professional sense that you have this sense of, are you there to learn someone's life, to see them at their dark moments, to see them for their wholeness that they also have sometimes like maybe today's not a day to train because someone's aunt just passed away. And we did talk about that. Like there are pieces of that that happen in real life that after 10 years of training with Bo, we have had so many, but those moments have brought us closer together. We will never not be there. And I, I, I think now it's like, you know, there's, there's, there's pieces of it now that, man, the weight of, of those strong ties and relationships, the love, you know, those loves that the love that binds us and ties, like if you're not really creating those quality pieces, then man, I don't know if you're doing yourself the service in this coaching world, because for me, that thread makes me keep going, man. It's the reason why you stay and the reason why you want to continue to learn and change and you go to continue education or to things with people in mind. You know, you 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 start to try to learn stuff about back pain because someone in your in your clientele has back pain, and maybe that brings you to you guys. And then they start realizing, oh man, I really don't talk to Jeff about watching TV on his couch for five hours. Maybe we need to talk about this lifestyle. Like there are the the, the conversations that can only be had by someone who really truly cares. Like, hey man, you can't do that. No. You can't do that. I'm your friend and you can't do that because I love you. And you're sitting there trying to do that, but you can't do that. That's a huge thing. So because that from coming from someone who really cares, you know, that ends up falling with guilt. If you continue to do that, not shame, but guilt. He told me yeah. not to do it. Yeah. 
it's funny because we, we created a whole section talking about client interface and we have a section where we teach people something called the key questions. Like these are things you need to ask because if you don't, your whole program is going to blow up. Mm-hmm. And part of that was driven. We, we were doing some research. I think on average, the physical therapists, they observed them. And I think they listened to their patients for about eight seconds on their initial client. Oh, in, uh, in, yeah, uh, something interface. crazy like that. It was something crazy. And it's like, you owe so much more to these people that are trusting you with making them, you know, making this. They, they finally got up the courage to come to you. And now you're going to blow it by not even just listening. Yeah. Um, so we can... We could go on all day with you, and, and, and I, at I, this I mean, point, even, look, 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 even yeah. this angle. He, the, the, I love what you just said there, because my mom, who is in dire need of physical therapy, right? But she needs someone to just give her belief all the time, and the physical therapist she's working with, you know, tells her she's got to do this, she's got to do this, but she she feels so guilty that she hasn't made progress that she stops going to him. I'm like, it's not about pleasing him. It is about you, you get you, you being okay, like you're injured, you're hurt. He's there. And I think there's a side of that world we're missing this need to like, hey, you are not broken. All right. We are not nobody's broken. I think this energy of like, I need a fix, I need a is just the wrong energy to really receive people, love them as bent, and then let's make you better. I know no matter what, oh, your knees hurting, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. We know that you can get stronger at your core. Even if you get a knee replacement later on, you'll be better off for it. So we might as well start doing some movement now. Let's get back to playing, girl. Let's play. Let's get your energy playing. And you start to see that inner child come out. Ugh, ridiculous. Love it. And so before we wrap things up here, I warned you guys at the beginning, you know, he's going to make you feel better by the end of this. And if you haven't felt better after the last hour, then I think you're, you may be the problem. Um, but, uh, let's talk about what you got going on, uh, in the near future and, and what do you got coming up in 2023, Brent? Yeah. I, you know, I, I've seriously, it's been almost a decade now speaking for perform better speaking for, um, um, idea just, I think the platform, I've continued to keep it in the fitness world. Even when I've worked with companies and think it's always been in the fitness world, I think it's time to move past it and. Uh, it's time to share my story because the side of really, do we want to see a side of in, in all of us, right? I'm not talking talk about coach, just all people out there. You, there's a responsibility you have to your body. Okay. It's to take care of this vessel that we travel in. It's, you know, it is, uh, to say that we are born upon a body. You will never really own, right. Is to know that I got to take care of this. I, I, I and yes, I, I, just like my car, I hit the curb uh, many times on my wheels, and it's like I upgraded those rims, and now those rims look, oh, but, you know, I still have to do my best, even though they've been dented, to still try to avoid, so I don't just keep hitting curbs now that I've done it once, right? Like, we still do, let's live our best, and and let's let's continue to do, so that energy, there's so many co- moms, um, people that would be like who are retired that could just help other seniors out. I, I know seniors that would still want to be a coach to other seniors just to get help them be like we the the edu- the, the the worlds that want to create certifications based off of all the physiological things. I get it. Those those courses that hey we're gonna license you. You're gonna work in a professional setting. Like all the the yes. All right. I don't work in that world. But are there enough people who just want to help people play? And can I keep certain things safe? Can I, can, I, can a sidestep shuffle be a safe thing? Or do I really need a certification behind all that? And I think there is this side that we're losing all these people that could be coaches. But we're, because we're not selling the, we're not certifying the emotional part of it, the EQ part of it, that we're saying that you're not going to be a great coach. That's not true. Heart is one of the biggest things we need out of a coach. And to say that I want to I want to certify for that and I want to embellish that and, and talk about that, creating the platform, then let that platform be the voice for that side of it, right? So that's where I am. Hopefully I could bring that talk of more, you know, how you lead your relationships and your energy along with your clients to, to more, you know, 
bigger uh, companies and things like do a little bit more traveling in that sense. And uh, yeah, just still spread the message, man, that, you know, life, man, it's, it's a fun thing. It's, it's, you, you, you get a chance to build yourself back up all the time. Love it. Love it. And I, I appreciate uh, more than, you know, you spending this time with us and sharing your stories and opening up your heart and uh, making everybody feel good today as you always oh, do. Thanks, and, Eric. Thanks, and, Mike. Uh, you guys are awesome. Mr. Perry, another good one that. in the books. That's it. That's it. We are, we, we are grateful for today, Brian, and uh, we appreciate you so much and, and, and thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure catching up and Eric, you can thank close you guys us up. So much. Absolutely. Much love to you guys. And as always, we want to thank you for listening. And this has been the principles of performance podcast. Thank you for listening to the principles of performance podcast. If you've enjoyed our content, please like, and share on your social media outlets, as well as subscribe and give us a review on YouTube Apple Podcasts, or whatever your preferred platform is to listen to. For more information on the principles of program design courses and workshops, visit us at www.principlesofprogramdesign.com and follow us on all of the social media channels where we post new content every day. To save 10% on any PPD courses, enter the discount code PRINCIPLESPODCAST10 at checkout. If you have any questions we can answer or suggestions for the show, you can email us at info at principlesofprogramdesign.com or message us on social media. Thank you again for your support.